All right. Well, Christmas is over. Well, kind of. We're going to still have one more message. But some here had those great Christmases. You know, one of those great Christmases. They were like, woo, that was awesome. Others here were wanting just to recover from Christmas and all the running they did and all the parties they participated in or whatever else. Some would like to, if they could, to go back in time and do it again. Let's go back and let's have it all over again. While others are just glad that it is over. We're like, woo! I'm so glad Christmas is over and we can move on. Well, like I said just a minute ago, we're not going to move on. We're going we're gonna to look at one more Christmas sermon today. And we're looking at the hidden gifts, as it were, of Christmas. But I'm going to look at a text that is not normally used as a Christmas text. Uh, there are a lot of great Christmas texts. Uh, you know, the angels coming to Mary, angels coming to Joseph, the shepherds, and the angels coming to the shepherds, the uh, the magi, and eventually God speaking to the magi. You know, there's all sorts of great Christmas texts. But this is one that you probably wouldn't use for Christmas normally, but I think it is a Christmas text nonetheless. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. I'm reading on the New Living Translation. I want you to listen to what John says here. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. through 4. We proclaim to you the One who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and have seen. We saw Him with our own eyes and touched Him with our own hands. He is the Word of life. This One who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen Him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that He is the One who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Now, you might be thinking, well, what does that really have to do with Christmas? But the truth is, this text, it probably speaks more to the purpose, the why of Christmas, than any other Christmas text we've looked at. It probably speaks more to what God intended and what God was wanting for you and me than any of the Christmas texts so far. You know, Christmas is about God coming down into the darkness, taking on flesh, living among us as Jesus to save us, redeem us, lead us home. It is more than a simple remembrance. It's more than a once a year event. It's more than angels and shepherds and and magi and mangers. It speaks to our heart. It should be something that we celebrate all year long. So today, I want us to look, as we end our Christmas series, I want us to look at the why. Why of Christmas. What, what it really means to us. The purpose that Christmas has in our life. And the first thing you need to understand is Christmas is the basis of faith. Now John here in this text, he says it over and over again in many different ways. I've heard, I've seen, I've touched, I've uh, listened, all these different words he's using. What he is telling us is he's making it very clear. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, has entered into history. 
He was here. I saw Him. I heard Him. I touched Him. I was with Him. John is testifying to the world. I'm, he's saying, I'm a, I'm a reliable witness. John's telling us here, if they called me before the court, I would witness to the reality of who Jesus is. That He actually was here. That He actually lived amongst us. Died for us. And rose again. I would testify to that. Now, I want you to understand that all religions, every single one, has some sort of revelation. All of them. Buddhism depends on the profound insights gained by the Buddha during his moment of enlightenment while meditating under the Bodhi tree. Hinduism looks to the Vedas passed on to the first man at the dawn of time. Islam says that the angel Gabriel dictated to the prophet Muhammad the very words of God. But Christianity claims something very different. A series of events about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. A series of events that started at Christmas and have been laid out there in the public before the public, in dateable time, recorded by a variety of witnesses, it is as if Christianity places its neck on the chopping block of public scrutiny and invites anyone who wishes to come and take a swing. In fact, the central claims of Christianity are to a degree testable. You can apply the normal tests of history and find that we do in fact possess exactly the sort of evidence you would expect if the core of Jesus' story is true and decidedly more evidence than you would expect if the story were fabricated. John wants us to know this is true. He was here. He was amongst us. In fact, listen again to what John tells us in his Gospel. John 1.14. We've read this before. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Then four verses later, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is Himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The Gospel that we as Christians stake our lives on is based upon the fact that God came down and took on flesh and was born of a virgin and was laid in a manger and who grew into a man who died on a cross and rose from the grave and will one day come back again. That's the Gospel. Without Christmas, we have no basis for our faith. Without Christmas, we have no hope. Without the manger, there is no cross. You have to have both. In fact, without the cross, we're hopeless. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. Christmas is so important because it is where God reaches down, takes on flesh, and makes Himself known. Where God starts His journey in a human form as a human being to die and raise again for you and for me.
That's not the only why of Christmas. Its purpose is also to transform life. Christmas transforms life. Now, in our original text there that we're preaching out of this morning, uh, I want you to listen to what G, uh, John says about Jesus. He says, Jesus is life. That's what he tells us here in this text. He says, Jesus is life. And then he goes just a few words later, same verse, and he says, Jesus is eternal life. Now, John doesn't say Jesus came to show us life. He doesn't say Jesus came to teach us about what real life can look like. He doesn't even say Jesus came so that He could guide us into eternal life. What He actually says is that Jesus is life and He is eternal life. Meaning Jesus is life that is on and on and on and on for all eternity. I want you to think about what the implications of that statement is. Just those few words speak volumes into our life. If Jesus is life, eternal life, that changes everything. That changes the whole way in which we view our existence right now. All of our world seems to be running after a reality that isn't really real at all. All of our world is running after money and stuff. And all those things that we are told will make life worthy. But they actually don't make life worth living. They don't make life any better. In fact, most of the people who run after those things never find joy in their life, satisfaction in their life, purpose for their life. In 1 John, one chapter over, chapter 2, 15 through 17, it says, John says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Jesus is, is what life is all about. Jesus is life now and for eternity. Sometimes I think in, in the church we try to proclaim if you will come to Jesus, you can have eternal life, which is true. But what we fail to tell people is if you will come to Jesus, you can enjoy life right now and for eternity, which is the actual truth of what Jesus has brought us. Living in Him and for Him is really the only way to truly experience life. 2 Corinthians 4.18, it was on the, actually the video this morning. I've quoted it to you many times. I like how the message puts it. This is what the message says about that verse. It says, there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Which are you focused on? Which am I focused on? The things of right now? Or the things that last on and on and on for all eternity? C.C. Colton said, men will wrangle with religion, write for it, fight for it, die for it, anything but live for it. 
Jesus didn't come to just bring you a relationship with Him, which He did do that, but He actually came so that not only can you have a relationship with Him, but so that you can actually live life, real life, abundant life. Christmas' purpose is also the foundation of fellowship. In fact, Christmas' foundation is fellowship. John says we testify about Jesus so that we can have fellowship with you and so that all of us can have fellowship with God, the Father and the Son. John says, hey, this all what I'm telling you here about Jesus is so that you can have fellowship with us and so that we all can have fellowship with Him and His Father in heaven. When we celebrate Christmas, we aren't just celebrating a birth, we are rejoicing in the new relationship that we have because of God, that we have with each other and with the Father. We're rejoicing in the relationship we have that makes us part of a family here at Central. That's part of what we are rejoicing in when it comes to Christmas time. Tim Keller says, if Jesus didn't come, the story of Christmas is one more moral paradigm to crush you. If Jesus didn't come, I wouldn't want to be anywhere around these Christmas stories that say we need to be sacrificing, we need to be humble, we need to be loving. All that will do is crush you into the ground. But if Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, you're going to know much more about God. If Jesus is who He says He is, we have a 500-page autobiography from God in a sense. And our understanding will be vastly more personal and specific than any philosophy or religion could give us. Because of Christmas, look at what God has done to get you to know Him personally. If the Son would come all this way to become a real person to you, don't you think the Holy Spirit will do anything in His power to make Jesus a real person to you in your heart? Christmas is an invitation by God. Look what I've done to come near to you. Draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be a friend. I want to be a friend. I want you to listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17, verse 21. Just one verse of it. Right in the middle of His prayer, He says, I pray that they will all be one. Talking about all of us, Christians. Just as you and I are one. Talking about the Father. Him and the Father. As you are in Me, Father, and I am in You. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus is praying. I want them to be one with each other and one with me and the Father. I want them to enjoy a relationship. I want them to understand intimacy with me. I want them to, to realize that there is unity to be had. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Christmas reminds us we've been called back to God. We've been restored by His Spirit. We are His children, His adopted children, redeemed. The children of God. Christmas is God coming to restore fellowship with us, and to restore fellowship between us. 
So maybe it is time for us to be a better family to each other. Maybe it's time for us to forgive one another. Maybe it's time for us to love one another more. Maybe it's time for us to make more room in our hearts for others to be a part of the family. If God came all this way to have a relationship with us, surely we can reach across a pew or reach across a fence, reach across our workplace to have a relationship with someone else. One last thing. The purpose of Christmas. Christmas frees us to be joyful. I love what he says, verse 4. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, John keeps hitting us with these whys of Christmas, and, and he ends by reminding us that Christmas should be bringing us joy. That's what he reminds us. He, he said, Christmas should be something that brings you joy. Now, he doesn't say it in that word, I understand, but he's talking about Jesus, and he's saying, you ought to be joyful because you have Jesus. And we know Jesus because He came on Christmas for us. He wants us all to fully share His joy. The truth is, the only way any of us can fully be joyful is to place our faith in Jesus. The only way we can truly enjoy the, the life that Jesus wants us to have is to trust Him completely with our eternities. The only way we really can have joy in this life is to rest in the fellowship we have with God and with one another. That's how you find joy. The joy that Christmas brings is not dependent upon gifts or parties, or cards, or lights. It is a joy that is based solely on a relationship with the Lord, which allows us to have a relationship with one another. Philippians 4, 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. The message says, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel. In Him. Rejoice always. Revel in God. Is that the mark of your life and mine? Rejoicing always and reveling in God. Woo! <laughs> we'll come to worship and we won't even be happy about it. What about going out into the world around us? Christmas introduced us to what joy could be by bringing us face to face with a God who endured even the cross because of the joy of being with us. That's what Christmas reminds us of. And so often we just take it for granted. Tim Keller says, imagine an eight-year-old boy playing with a toy truck and then it breaks. He is unconsolable and he cries out to his parents to fix it. Yet as he's crying, his father says to him, a distant relative you've never met has just died and left you $100 million. What will the child's reaction be? He will just cry louder until his truck is fixed. He does not have enough cognitive capacity to realize his true condition and to be consoled. He says, in the same way Christians lack the spiritual capacity to realize all we have in Jesus. 
This is the reason Paul prays that God will give Christians the spiritual ability to grasp the height, depth, breadth, and length of Christ's love. In general, our lack of joy is, a, is as Shakespeare wrote, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. We are like the eight-year-old boy who rests his happiness in his stars, his circumstances, rather than recognizing what we have in Christ. If we could all recognize the gift we have been given, really recognize it, understand all the implications of it, realize what it has done in our lives and for an eternity, that would change everything. If we understood completely what it means that Jesus gave Himself, set aside His privileges to become a baby, if we really understood that, a baby who grew up to serve and die on a cross, we really understood that. We really took that to heart. It would change everything. See, the more we can recognize these gifts that Jesus has brought us, the more joy we will experience in this life, regardless of circumstance or situation. See, this Christmas season may have been the worst ever. The worst Christmas you've ever experienced in your entire life. Or this Christmas season may have been the best ever. The best Christmas you've ever enjoyed, ever in your life. But, when you realize, really realize, the purpose of Christmas, the why of Christmas, that should be what really brings you joy. That should be what really matters in your life. After returning home from a long tour, Bono, the lead singer of U2, returned to Dublin and he attended a Christmas Eve service at some point in the service, Bono grasped the truth at the heart of the Christmas story. In Jesus, but God became a human being. With tears streaming down His face, Bono realized the idea that God, if there's a force of love and logic in the universe, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough that it would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born in poverty and straw. A child, I just thought. Wow! Just the poetry. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this time. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have, it would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. John 3.16 This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Is that you and me? Are we living a whole and lasting life? life has Christmas made an eternal difference not just beyond this life 
but throughout the rest of this flesh, this life lived here. Will you pray for me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for John and him writing this passage down. But more than that, I thank you for what it really means to us that you came to live amongst us, to serve us, to love us, to die for us, to, to, to raise victorious over death for us. Lord, I pray that we will not forget why. Why you came. The purpose of your birth. Lord, I pray that we will not forget what you've done for your Son, Jesus. Lord, just, just let us see with renewed eyes how blessed we truly are. And let that change the way we look at life. Let that change the way we look at ourselves. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. We're going to sing this hymn of decision. And as we sing this song, maybe there's some decisions that need to be made. Maybe you have not been looking at this Christmas season in the right way. Maybe... Maybe now's the time to say, you know what, God, I, I kind of missed the point a little bit, but but now I'm back on board. You know, I, I'm, I'm back, uh, and I want to I want to live out a life that reflects that. Maybe maybe now's the time where you want to accept the the grace of God, the gift of God, uh, for the very first time. Maybe now's the time you want to come and confess Jesus Christ as a Lord and and accept this gift that He has given Him by repenting of your sins and being immersed so you can rise and walk in the newness of life. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. Whatever you need. There's going to be those at the front and the back that will be there to help and pray and, and, and be there to, to do whatever they can to, to, to serve you, love you, and walk with you. So as we sing this last song, if you need to make a decision, won't you go to the front the back uh, with whatever decision you need to make?